Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail and joining me today we've got two Dons experts, Paul Third and Sean Wallace. Don't know if that's ever if that's ever happened before, and that's since we've been out of the, the real studio and into the virtual studio. We've also got Paul Chalk. How are we guys? Good thanks. thanks. I mean two Pauls and two Dawn's representatives. I'm sure it won't get confusing as we go through this, but we'll try and keep it. Uh, we'll try and keep it together. This week, we're discussing the return of our Premiership clubs. Aberdeen and Ross County will obviously be back playing this weekend as we grow, get ever closer to the the post split. Um, not quite there yet. Inverness to discuss as well as they continued their upturn in form that they've put together of late and we've also got Peterhead, Cove and Elgin to discuss, big win for Peterhead at the weekend, amazing goal for Cove to level it against their title rivals Airdrie and keep themselves in pole position and Elgin City as well ending an absolutely incredible hoodoo against Edinburgh City but yes, first of all let's start with Aberdeen where to begin? Uh, Lewis Ferguson in midweek started his first game for Scotland. I believe it was his first game for Scotland. Um, away in Austria, friendly game, two-two draw in the end. Sean, you watched it. Does that uh, does that increase the probability of Lewis Ferguson having suitors in this summer? That performance he put on. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, he's now a Scotland starter. And, I mean, Lewis performed well. It wasn't an overly impressive performance from Scotland. But Lewis Ferguson certainly didn't look out of place in that starting lineup. And I'm pretty sure it'll be the first of many more first uh, Scotland starts for Lewis. I mean, he's already been watched by Cagliari representatives. And Aberdeen have been sort of put on red alert to accept, expect a it's a 3.5 million bid in the summer and I'd be surprised if they were the only ones that are looking at Ferguson. I mean, he's been very good this season and what has been a dire campaign for Aberdeen. He's been one of the f- few players that have played at a decent level consistently. 14 goals for million. the season. Three and a half million yep. is not enough for Lewis Ferguson. No, Do you think? I don't think it is either, no. What is enough? Give me, a, well, give me the number. Five. five I, if, if, if you're not offering five, then I'm not even picking up a phone to you. I'm not entertaining you. I say that because we're talking about a guy who plays every week for his club. He's now started for his country. He's a goal-scoring midfielder who could end the season as his club's leading goal scorer, if not the league's leading goal scorer. Let's remember that. Um, what What is the going rate for that sort of calibre? Being put it into context... Ryan Kent arrived at Rangers for, what, £7 His value has gone up, but he scored two goals this season. So what what is your worth? What is your value to a club? I guess it's what somebody's willing to pay, and that's maybe the issue we don't know because nobody's really come close to whatever figure Aberdeen have in their head. But me, if it's not under five, I'm not talking to you. So how long has he got left on his deal, Ferguson? A couple of years. Two years in the summer. Two years in the summer. Okay, very interesting. We're not expecting him, though, to if if he was to stay, I think it's Ross and Crowley. We've already said we're maybe expecting to get the armband next season from Jim Goodwin. But if if Ferguson did stay, would it be a would it be a midfield two? Do you think Ferguson and McCrory? Are we still thinking we'll have a three a three there? Maybe a, a slightly more creative midfielder ahead of those two. He likes Barron. Jim Goodwin really likes Connor Barron. You've got to put him in that equation now. I think so. That's your that's your three as it stands. 
That's a strong three as well. I mean, Barron's, I mean, he's still only a teenager, but he's a class act. Paul, you had a story this week with Dante Paul Vara. He's obviously another central midfielder. We don't really know much about him yet. We haven't seen much of him since he's come across from the States under previous boss Stephen Glass. But he was talking quite a lot about his different characteristics to the other Don's midfielders, how he's a, he has an ability to pass the ball, he can pass it through any gap, um, if, if you read the quotes, uh, but is, is there a place for a player like that? Is Do you think that talking about passing ability and a, an ability to maybe see uh, openings and play in the forward players, is that something that the Don's other centre midfielders don't necessarily have or, or, or do they, or do certain ones have that already? I, I, I look at Ferguson as almost the guy that sits a little bit deeper and Jim Goodwin referenced that after the last game. When they, when they beat Hibs, he felt whenever coming up against Lewis Ferguson, he was maybe a bit too advanced in an Aberdeen team and he wasn't as influential in a game. He's asked him to drop a bit deeper, which is probably no coincidence, one of the reasons why Scott Brown is no longer at the club because I think that's the role that Jim Goodwin sees for Ferguson. Then you've got the other two. Barron, uh, as I refer- referenced last week, he's like a wee buzz bomb here, there and everywhere about the park. For a wee guy, he doesn't have to get stuck in. And McCrory is your your engine room. He's your box-to-box. He'll go up and down that park all day long. Paul Vara, we've seen four minutes off the bench. But from from if you look at college scene, and we'll have to have the caveat of it is college football in the States. He's a guy who sees himself as a bit of a playmaker, I think. Um Almost, almost the role that I think we all had Teddy Jenks performing when he uh, he arrived on loan. I think that's maybe where Polvara sees himself. Whether he's up to the task or not, we don't know yet. Yeah, it's very, very early, is it, to make any judgment on Polvara? We've seen so little of him. Anyway, this week we had confirmation, or we did have confirmation perhaps from the club, but we, we do know that Gordon Marshall, uh, the goalkeeping coach who obviously served under previous boss, Derek McInnes, and then under Stephen Glass, and Adam Stokes, who head of medical sports science, he similarly came in under Derek McInnes, um, stayed under Stephen Glass, but Jim Goodwin has let both of them go, probably with the, the, the view to taking his own people, Paul, would that be correct? Yeah, that's that's what we're hearing. Um, the manager's looking for his his own guys behind the scenes. Um, I don't think it's a slight on, on either either person. I'm sure they've both gone and have fine careers elsewhere. I mean, Gordon Marshall's been a goalkeeper coach for years prior to coming to Pataudry. Uh, Stokes was physio at Motherwell. I think he's still involved with the, the national team in, in some capacity as well at the various age levels. So no, I mean, I think it's just a, a manager looking for the guys he knows and works with. Whether that's people from St Mirren or not, I, d- I don't know, but he's, he's looking to have his own his own men in place, as he's entitled to do. It's to be expected, is it? When a new manager comes in, he wants to stamp his authority on the club and he wants to take in his own men, people that he trusts, people that he's worked with in the past. And like Paul says, it's no, it's not a negative on the people that are set to leave. Obviously, Craig Sampson, actually, I think uh, Gordon Marshall requiring surgery. I think Gordon Marshall done himself a knee injury uh, recently, and Craig Sampson obviously came in and ended up being registered as a player because of a goalkeeper shortage at the club. I can't remember what game it was ahead of. Sean Motherwell. Motherwell. Yeah. Uh, do we see Sampson maybe sticking around as the the goalkeeping coach? Obviously. 
when when the news of Marshall departing broke, a lot of people were automatically jumping to the conclusion that that could mean Jamie Langfield bring him home, uh, reuniting <laughs> with Jim Goodwin, of course, reuniting with Aberdeen, a 2014 League Cup winner, of course, a hero in the final in the penalty shootout. But Samson, do we think that's the way it's going to go, Paul? We've discussed this about five times this week, haven't we? <laughs> I, I still don't know the answer. I don't know. Um, I mean, Samson's there for the rest of the season, and he's registered as a player, so I can see why Jim might be looking going well. I'll keep him about at least till the summer until I see what's what's what. Um, but honestly, honestly, I don't know. I really don't know if he is going to be the permanent solution or if he has someone else in mind altogether. Okay, well, this weekend Aberdeen the return to action against Dundee, a team of course fighting for their lives under Mark McGee. Down at the bottom of the table, it's a kind of it's a footballing cliche, and I don't think Dundee's results have necessarily shown. Although they've picked up some points, I don't think the results have necessarily shown. There's a huge final uh, drive, sparkling form, big turnaround coming that's going to you know save them from the drop. But does does their plight make them dangerous for the Dons this Saturday? Obviously, the Dons. It's pretty clear that they need to win their final two games before the split. I think it's a dangerous game for Aberdeen. I know it is a cliche that teams at the bottom are fighting for survival, but it's a cliche because it's true. Um, I mean, Aberdeen, I was at the the 2-1 loss at Dens Park in October when a woeful display saw them lose. And I think at the time, Stephen Glass, the then manager, said they were in a hole and Aberdeen are still in a hole. They haven't climbed out of it yet. I mean, they need to win the next two games to get in, into the top six. If they don't, then they're in the bottom six wasteland and it is a disaster of a season for Aberdeen. A total write-off. So, I mean, I think this game could it just could come down to who's willing to battle enough for the three points. It could be a war of attrition and if Aberdeen aren't up for it, then they're in trouble. But the one positive is that Jim Goodwin is a manager who, as a player, had all the attributes that you need for a game like this, and he started to instil those in his players. So I think they'll be up for the fight and anticipate Aberdeen getting the win they need to take into the Ross County match. But I think Sean's it'll right, be a beautiful game, though. <laughs> Sean's right, you do have to be wary if you're an Aberdeen fan, given that shocker at Dens Park back in October. That's, of course, that's the game that led to the chairman, Dave Cormack's infamous uh, radio appearance 48 hours later. Um, the curious thing for one this one is... One of the most depressing games I've been at, Paul. <laughs> that one. And there's been a few that's, in the last... That's someone with a list we've had to watch this year. Um, but we've got two new managers in place since the, the sides last met. That's the interesting part. And of course, in Mark McGee, it's someone that Don's fans know all about, uh, who's now in charge at, at Dens Park. And we know he would love nothing better than to beat his old club. Um, it's two teams desperate for a win and they need the points badly for different reasons. And Dundee were half decent, I thought, against against Rangers in the last game before the, the break. So they'll they'll be up for this one. Aberdeen's need is just as important for the top six. As we know, I think there's more than 3,000 Red Army members going down to this one so it's it's going to be a real cup tie atmosphere and here's hoping Aberdeen can rise to the occasion because it would be a rare away win if they get it Got feeling Paul do you reckon they'll get top six? Yes and I don't think they, I don't think they'll need six points to do it either here you go I think four might be enough There's your scoop Alright <laughs> well we'll see what happens this weekend as Sean said 
should Aberdeen lose that game, it's you know it's going to be a very uh, a miserable end to the season of drudgery towards uh, the summer. Anyway, next up, let's discuss Ross County. There's been more new deals this week, and we've got one Ross County player that we're going to tip to go all the way to the World Cup in Qatar later this year. Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village. With memberships to suit all ages, Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community. I'm there all the time to interview athletes, play football on the indoor pitches, swim or use the gym. But you can also dive, choose from over 100 exercise classes, play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information. Okay, County, first of all, Paul, Paul C, Connor Randall, the latest new deal at County this week, he's played pretty much every game this season, hasn't he? He's clearly got pedigree, uh, I remember him at Liverpool when he was slightly younger, he's only 26, I think that's one that the fans will be happy with, yeah? Yeah, he's a good agent, uh, the manager Malky Mackay spoke glowingly of, of Connor uh, in the press conference this week uh, after the, the deal was done to keep him in Dingwall till 2024, he's um, a player who has come through a fair bit of injury and uh, form hurdles at, at Ross County but mainly injuries kind of held him back in, in earlier years but now he's a consistent performer and um, interestingly, Malky was speaking about the, the way he's actually a, a quiet leader. He, he described him as he's the one that um, in debriefs um, every week he'll raise points and speak up for his teammates if, uh, you know, um, to, to raise any concerns. But it's another line of communication which is important to Malky. He wants, he wants that to be the, the case in terms of his on-field qualities as a defender. He keeps continuing to uh, develop and press and be a key figure in that Ross County team, and he's, he's uh, a reliable uh, player. That Malky, um, you know, he's one of the first in the team sheet. In terms of the deal itself, obviously it's two years, and that's something County have been talking about quite a lot this season. Malky McKay's talked about it. I would wager more than ten times at the Press and Journal alone. But it, it's you know this attempt to actually build a a long-term team at County as opposed to just players constantly on those you know, one-year deals or they just coming up to County to put themselves in the shop window and then move on somewhere else the following summer. But this is actually like, you know, with Conor Randall signing until 2024, I know other players have only signed until next summer, but, you know, there is an attempt that isn't there to build that longevity into the side. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's important given the whirlwind summer that Malky had last year. He's wanting to avoid that. He did say it will be another busy summer, although there's been a number of contracts over the line now and he's shaping the squad for next year with important players including the, the captain Keith Watson and Jordan White up front who um, is, is another uh, uh, you know key member of that squad and first team so yeah he's talking about getting a lot of business done before the, the summer getting as many of them tied in as you say Ryan the, the longer term deals as is possible it all depends on agents and you know what, what they players have got in their mind as to where their careers will, will go after Ross County he doesn't have any problem with players arriving in Dingwall and, and you know he didn't use the words but seeing it as a stepping stone to a greater um, you know level of football later on he, he convinces players to come up from England saying 
you know, football, Scotland is a football daft country. You come here, you're going to be on the telly, you're going to be playing games against your Rangers and Celtic. There's a huge appetite for football. If you can come up here and do well, you'll get your move and Ross County are going to benefit for the period that the, the players are here. Okay, Harry Payton this week. We've had uh, Richard Hastings, the locals manager, a former Canadian international who won the Gold Cup with Canada. He, he was talking about Harry Payton's chances of making it in their squad. They're now qualified for Qatar later this year to be uh, he's obviously been in a squad previously I think he was in the squad for the Gold Cup ended up missing out I think on being able to go to that squad so he hasn't actually played for Canada yet is is Ross County a, a big enough shop window obviously Canada will have some players that are playing in Europe's top leagues but do you think he can force his way in starting for a, a top six potentially Ross County yeah well Richard Hastings thinks so um, he, he thinks that if Ross County can finish in the, in the top six and to even say that sentence given the start they made without any wins in, in 10 and the, which isn't surprising after the, the COVID issues they had and the, the chaos that that happened at Ross County last summer Ross County obviously are in a position where they, they can make top six and, and they really believe with Hearts and Aberdeen coming up they, they don't fear these fixtures at all in terms of Harry he's um he, you know, he sees the the benefit clearly. If you are going to be in the top six, and Richard Hastings does say that that will be noticed at international level with Canada. If you've got a, a player that's a, a driving force in a, a team like Harry is to take a club like County into the top half, that will be recognised because they look at players as Richard described scattered all around the world. If Harry's consistency can help County to upper half finish then then that would be that would be um put him in the running certainly. He's desperate for that first um involvement with Canada's first senior action. And um he was unfortunate last year where he was part of the, the camps and uh, he caught COVID at just at the, the worst possible time that that hampered his progress. But um from his point of view, um I think the big decision to, to be made is um where his future lies, you know, um, does he think that he needs to play at a, a higher level than Ross County? Is a top six finish enough? Um, he actually was the player up for press this week, so um, that, that interview will feature in, in Saturday's uh, Press and Journal, but certainly um, it's all up in the air as to whether he'll be a, a Ross County player ne- next year, but um, we'll, we'll wait and see. He'll be a, a massive... Um, part of Malky's squad next year if they can retain him and just on that of course a deal for his brother Ben Payton uh, went over the line this week at Ross County a player who came in as a midfielder Malky sees him as a midfielder but has filled in um, defensively um, including a game against Rangers at Dingwall and um, he'll be another uh, guy for the future uh, for the Staggies Okay so as things stand we've got Hibs in 5th place 37 points, Livingston on the same, County in 7th place, 1 point worse off, Motherwell the same, St Mirren the same, then Aberdeen of course on 35 points, Ross County they take on Hearts this weekend, given Hearts is kind of, I suppose, inconsistent form of late, they're secure in 3rd place, but it seems like an opportunity for the Staggies, but if if you three guys had to sort of nail your colours to the mast, who are going to be the teams that finish in... Fourth, fifth, sixth place. Which three would you pick? Dundee United, of course, are the team in fourth at the moment because it feels like there's a lot of options 
there at the moment over these next couple of games. I think Aber- Aberdeen for me, you would you, you would say Aberdeen would, um, as Paul said, you know they they really need to to go for it. Aberdeen, you know, wouldn't I think for me finish higher than than sixth, but they'd be happy to scrape into that and have that that opportunity post split. Ross County, given the belief there, they do have the the opportunity to have a very go go for these six points. Well, you controversialist, Paul. Our two teams will be the teams that end up in the top well, six. If you want, if if you want a conspiracy theory, right? Let's have Dundee United beating Hibs at the weekend, right? So I I think that's enough to make sure United are fourth going into the split. Um, it also then puts Hibs in a lot of trouble. Now let's and who have Hibs got in the last game? It's Hearts. So <laughs> I can see I could see Hearts. Uh, there we go. Let's say Hearts slip up in Dingwall, and then they're looking to get back on track by winning the Edinburgh Derby next week against a Hibs team that have potentially slipped up against United. This could see Hibs missing out on the the top six altogether. Uh, I think the Dons will be enough to be pro- probably fifth. The sixth one, I don't know. If if, if County get, I'm not sure that's a conspiracy theory. It is. Because I'm just accusing teams there of chucking it, but I'm not. <laughs> oh, chucking it! I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's hardly Norse. Sounds like a conspiracy to me. <laughs> Sean, I was on the um, grassy knoll um, that that day. That day. <laughs> I'm going no. uh, Dundee United uh, fifth. Maybe I don't know. It's a tough one. It all depends if Livingston get a result this weekend. I'm going to go Aberdeen again to the top six. And if Livingston win this weekend, uh, no, sorry, Ross County win this weekend, then Ross County, otherwise Livingston and County to move and miss out because obviously Aberdeen need to beat County to get into the top six. But clearly, whoever misses out, they're going to be sick. (laughs) Whoever misses out is going to be sick. It's going to be a, a nightmare. For, for whoever misses out it's it's such a bizarre league that I mean you look at Aberdeen they've had 10 uh, 10 winless run, runs of 10 without a win twice this season yeah we're still talking about them potentially pushing for Europe if they get into the top 6 it's just been so bizarre carnage obviously Paul uh, mentioned Grassy Knowles a wee while ago um, Cover at Firhill this weekend so a few of their players will spend a lot of time on Grassy Knowles but before we discuss them Inverness, I think that's is it. Is it three wins in a row? It's three, now, yeah. Chalky. They've, they've hit the ground yeah. running. Pretty impressive. Yeah, it's and, and to be fair, the championship no team really has shown consistency other than Inverness at, at the start of the season. Kilmarnock have got a run together now that's taken them, them top of the table at, at the right time, and um, I think Arbroath's uh, battling three three draw with three. Wraith Rovers last week when they were 3-1 down and come back for a point just keeps them in it and no more but uh, they need a, a favour from Dougie Emery's uh, Kilmarnock on, on Friday night um, hopefully Morton from their point of view will beat um, Kilmarnock that keeps the, the title race alive but from Inverness actually looking at our broth um, there is an opportunity there for, for the Cali Jags to, to really target our broth now they've our broth have drawn a few games and uh, this win for for Inverness, the, the latest one over Dunfermline, as you say, three in a row. Inverness are out of action this week because their opponents, Queen of the South, play the, the Challenge Cup final against Wraith Rovers. So they're back in action next weekend against Ayr. Not a bad thing. They can just uh, take stock, give the players a little bit of a rest and, and come back 
to to this one having having a real go. But uh, they can target Arbroath. There's no no doubt about that. And the benefit, obviously, of finishing second would be two less playoff games now. Um, uh, watched Cali Thistle take on Dundee United a couple of years ago in the, the playoffs and when you finish third or fourth and you've got that punishing schedule of uh, you, you know, you've just putting everything into that campaign and then you've got these high pressure quick fire matches you're absolutely shattered before you've got a chance to play the, the second place team so having two less fixtures would be, be massive but for Cali Thistle it looks as if they're going to finish top four now it would take a, a, a quite a collapse, and uh, you know, speak to Barry Wilson this week. He was pointing out that uh, Cali Thistle, despite that run, three months without a win, they didn't lose a game by more than a goal. They were always competitive. There was quite a lot of draws in there as well, but now they've turned it in their head and, and they're putting in performances and scoring goals. And uh, the turnaround at Wraith Rovers two weeks ago, for example, they hadn't lost against Wraith Rovers for. About 22 games, they were 2-1 down with a minute to go. Logan Chalmers popped up with a, a double. So they've got players playing with confidence, a wee bit of a freedom. And, um, you know, they, they probably can't wait now for the Air United game next, next Saturday. But they'll watch the, the action this, this weekend and see what transpires. Very briefly, Paul, because we must move on. Because we're up at the 25-minute mark. I haven't touched the lower league teams yet, but Reese McAleer... Obviously getting the headlines following the 2-0 win over Dunfermline. Scored the opener. An absolute pile driver if you've not seen it, my dear listeners. A cross, a cross goal sort of from range right in the, the far bottom corner. Right in the, the far onion bag. It was beautiful. Uh, but yeah, he's he's been talked up and, well, uh, Billy Dodds was kind of slating the Scotland under 21 staff for not calling him up. But he's having a cracking season, isn't he? He certainly is, yeah. And uh it's where does the future lie? He is a Norwich City player. Uh, I know that he speaks to the loans manager at, at Norwich every week, and Norwich um, keep tabs. And in fact, you'll see on social media that they, they share everything that he does in an Inverness shirt, which is mainly impressive. He, he doesn't score tap ins every goal, but a, a wonderful strike from him. Uh, so you can see why Billy Dodds would would push him towards. Uh, Scotland under 21 contention but uh, yeah, he's a big big player growing in stature week by week even when he does the, the press interviews earlier in, in the campaign you know that was another part of his development coming up and speaking to, to, to the press he was very kind of quiet but week by week he's, he's um, growing in confidence on and off the park a big big player for Inverness Very well done Paul very concise just as I asked for um, OK next up we'll go down to League One and then League Two and discuss Peterhead Cove Rangers in Elgin City. Right, in the absence of Jamie, Paul, Paul T, Paul Third, it feels weird calling you Paul T when it's a kind of soft T, so we'll call you Paul Th. Uh, Peterhead won, Falkirk nil last weekend, at Clyde this weekend. You're on that beat. How are the, how are the Peterhead? staff, players feeling, I know there was a bit of frustration that they hadn't been picking up results despite feeling like they'd been playing well in recent weeks and they're on a pretty a pretty long losing sequence but they've, they've got a win now against a full-time side who have to be, it has to be said, are kind of shocking for a full-time side, Falkirk, the way they've been getting on of of late but is, is it all rosy in the garden at Peterhead once again? I think it always was, that's the weird thing, I mean our colleague Jamie, who you've referenced, if, if regular listeners will know, every week Jamie's come on and said, Peterhead have been playing well, but just not getting 
a result. That feels like it's been the story for the whole of 2022. But that's why beating Falkirk was such a huge, a huge one for the Blue Toon, because it now, of course, gives them that four-point cushion on Dumbarton, who they play next weekend. And they're now five behind Clyde, who they play on Saturday. So <laughs> this is this is it. This is this next two games I think are gonna shape Peterhead's end of season completely. Um, and they should be feeling confident after beating the Bairns, who, as you've touched on, have they seem to be the one club that's really struggled to adapt to dropping out of the championship. They just can't get going at all in League One. A run in the middle mid table side. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I think Jim McAnally's talked about um it's a careful balance this season because he's got quite a young squad, which hasn't been the case in seasons gone by, and he has to be careful about criticising them week to week for the mistakes they're making. I suppose he's kind of been vindicated uh, with that win for his approach, and it was nice to see as well Jack Brown through the signs from Rothis. Obviously, we like to see that. We like to see players from the Highland League stepping up, trying their hand in the Scottish League. But he he bagged the winner against Falkirk, which I think was his his first Peterhead goal as well. It was. Um, first goal in the it, SPFL, certainly. Yeah, it, it does feel as if it's been a big turnaround at Balmoor um, this season in terms of personnel. Uh, the squad is younger, despite Derek Lyle's best efforts to, to keep the average age up. But um, everyone everyone is playing a part. Um, I'm pleased to see Brown get his first goal uh, following his move here, Rothis. Um, and I'd, like you, I hope we see more guys making that step from the Highland League to League 1 or 2. As we know, there's some cracking players in the Highland League, we bang the drum for them on Highland League Weekly every Monday night, but the problem is a lot of them are, are under long-term contract and getting them tough, but uh, no, I, th- I think the future's looking a little brighter for Peterhead, um, a couple of, a couple of wins and they'll be fine, and I'm really intrigued to see if Jim can keep this squad together, what they're capable of next year. Yeah, I think they're now four points clear of Dumbarton in ninth place, and Although Clyde this weekend are they're four points ahead, still five points ahead, still obviously a win against them would go a long way to closing that gap. Cove, meanwhile, they are at um, Queen's Park this weekend. Well, they're at Far Hill Park Thistles Ground, which the game's taking place on a Sunday because Park are playing there in the Championship on the Saturday before Cove play Queen's Park there on the Sunday. Uh, if that pitch has been getting criticised so far this season for being um, a mess I'm sure this weekend it won't be in particularly good condition by the time Cove get there but of course the story of the week with Cove this week has been Fraser Fivey's late leveller against second place Airdrionians last weekend to tie the score at 1-1 keeping the gap Cove have at the top of the table to 5 points an absolute stunner Paul, that one. Oh, it's oh, it's a belter. I mean, I can't think of a more important goal in Cove season so far than than Fivey's late equaliser last weekend. Of course, there could be a title-winning goal to to come yet. Uh, we, we hope that'll be the case. Uh, but keeping that five-point lead is massive psycho- uh, psychologically for Paul Hartley's side as they're now counting the games down. Um, they've built up this lead all season. They've maintained it during the difficult winter months, and time is now running out for Airdrie to catch them and it's funny but you're referencing this game against Queen's Park on Sunday um, that's another interesting one you, you wonder how important that could be um, given Airdrie are at an East Fife team struggling to stay in League 1 on Saturday so five clear with five to go if it's still five or even four after the game at New Bayview and what a boost that would be for Cove 
going into the Queen's Park game. But regardless of what happens at Airdrie, the pitch at Fairhill is going to ensure that uh, Cove are in for a real battle this weekend. I, I, it must be the worst one in the league, given the number of games which have been played on it this season. And it's worth bearing in mind, as you've touched on it, Cove are going there 24 hours after a game's been played on it. I don't think I would plant my tatties in it, to be honest. I think um don't even think you need a spade. Uh, I think uh, <laughs> Mark Mark Reynolds, I spoke to him yesterday and he was talking about how Cove might have to adapt to the approach. Obviously all the success they've had in recent years has been off the back of playing with the ball on the ground, playing a sort of attractive footballing style. But like you say, Airdrieonians in the coming weeks, if they lose one game, you know, and that game's this weekend see it kind of feels like we're talking maybe like three weeks or whatever and Cove could potentially have the the title sewn up so exciting times at the Balmoral Stadium provided they can keep winning let's drop down a division then Elgin City to Edinburgh City nil the result we thought we would never be talking about a northern goal I don't think how long have we been doing this podcast maybe like two years two and a bit years and I don't think we have ever, despite them being in the same division the whole time this podcast has existed, I don't think we've ever discussed Elgin City beating Edinburgh City. I think it was 15th time lucky at the weekend against their League 2 uh, rivals. A phenomenal hoodoo, but it's 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 behind them now, yeah? Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, speaking to Matthew Cooper, the Elgin defender this week, and he, he said uh, he described it as the, the bee in their bonnet about Edinburgh in that fixture. Uh, Shane Sutherland scored the, the winner last time Elgin beat them. Uh, uh, it's 2018, I think it was, but they, they play each other so uh, often in League Two that um, it's been a long time coming. And of course, Edinburgh City were the team that denied Elgin progression in the playoffs last year, the promotion playoffs um, with a very narrow defeat down in the capital after uh, you know two cracking games that, that went all the way so yeah, yeah a long time coming and, and what it did it's, uh, it put to, to bed any fears that Elgin were going to be dragged into a, a relegation playoff spot that Cowdenbeath occupying now that that is pretty much gone and um, uh, you know for Elgin it's been a really disappointing season they can finish probably 7th, 6th at, at best, not where they want to be as a club. Um, but uh, the interesting thing, speaking to, to Matthew this week, as he said, he had a chat with a, the manager, Gavin Price, and they want, uh, they, they, a wee bit like Ross County, were hit by COVID issues last summer as well, which um, stunted their, their start with really disappointing results. This time, they're going to come back earlier than ever. They're going to get deals done quicker than ever. And uh, they're going to make a real, real push. They don't have a Kelty Hearts to uh, contend with, uh, who obviously had the financial clout to go on and win the league in some style. We'll see who comes up, of course. But, you know, maybe if, if Elgin don't win the league, it's vital that they finish in the top four and, and are contenders at the top end of the league too. Because where they are now, uh, second bottom in the table is not good enough. Wonderful. We'll be back in pre-season by April. Elgin City. <laughs> <laughs> no, no break. No first. Yeah, but I mean, it is. It is. I suppose they are in a position now where they're they're probably competing against teams around them in the way they should be, which they haven't necessarily done all season long. Although they do have a decent record against the teams at the top of the division, it's more than you know the teams you'd maybe expect them to get results against uh, more often than not that they haven't been getting those results that's right yeah and they, they play Albion Rovers th- this weekend and Albion are a, a team who beat them 2-0 down at Coatbridge early in the season I, re- I remember the players saying 
that they, they lost the battle that day and Gavin Price, the manager, spoke this week about the fact that's what they need to do down at, at Albion, who've got a, a decent record at, at home. You need to be prepared to scrap. Paul mentioned the, the pitch at, at Fair Hill. It's that kind of similar type of performance. It's not going to be pretty football down in, in Coatbridge, but um, Elgin just need to learn from that defeat early in the season. If they can get another win on the board, that would, that would set them up nicely, as you see, I, for their final few games that are against teams in, in the lower half of the table like they are. Yeah, it seems to be a thing about uh, supposedly flat football pitches with Hill in the name that uh, leads to them not being so flat come the end of the season. Anyway, that concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal. Thanks to the two Pauls and Sean for joining me today. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Ryan. No Cheers. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, you can subscribe or like Northern Goal on your favourite podcast app, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you use. You can also email us any questions or queries at northerngoal.dctmedia.co.uk and finally, enjoy the football, whichever games you're watching this week. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.